What does it take to become a great stand-up comic? We answer that question and more this week on Only Stupid Answers. Everybody and welcome back to Only Stupid Answers. This is the show where we answer your questions about movies, TV shows, comic books, comedy. Yes, uh, I, I am your host DJ Wooldridge. With me, as always, is Roxy Stryer. Hello, Roxy. What's up, DJ? Boom! Got finished that coffee drink in the nick of time. Just squeaked it in there. It's a tea. That's why it's uh, always going to be Rox yeah. tea. Wait, we talked about tea on a Q and I believe. Do you not drink coffee? Not yet. I've never tried a sip. Okay. But when I say I do not drink coffee, people automatically assume I have like some kind of moral opposition or like mm-hmm. we'll never try coffee. And really, truly, what's happened is I just haven't done it yet. I yeah. don't know what happened. I just I haven't tried it yet. Yeah. See, for me, I don't drink coffee. I have tried it. Uh, but I'm, I have the palate of a toddler, which is if it's anything you have to acquire a taste for, mm, no, thank you. So it's like, here's coffee. Mm, that tastes like uh, uh, ground dirt. No, thanks. Uh, not for me. Thank you. Um, Mark, what's your stance on coffee? I'm not a big fan of uh, hot liquid mud. So yes. I prefer tea. I prefer the ice form of tea, as yeah. Roxy well knows. And uh, Roxy Nerd is holding out for the right moment to uh, to try coffee. Now, uh, I've actually had coffee before, and I haven't always hated it, but it just seems like it's a lot of work in the morning too. I, here's yeah. the problem with me is that as soon as I get my my food or beverage, it's it's in my gullet. I'm not I'm not waiting. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the yes. kid that burns the roof of their mouth every time they eat a slice of pizza because yeah. it looks too good. You can't wait. So with coffee, like I can't stand getting coffee and then you have to wait another ten to fifteen minutes before you can actually drink it. Like I want iced tea, and as soon as I get it in my hand, it's it's gone. Yeah. It is such a weird concept that we make drinks too hot to drink. Yeah. <laughs> Why do they do that? Why not make them hot enough to drink when they're still good? I, I, I'm sure there's some kind of like, because well, that's I, the way that the cocoa beans work best in the way. Yeah, well, yeah, I think that's the way to make it coffee is it needs to get to a certain temperature. It, it's the same thing with tea, right? You need to get it to, you need to get your water boiling and put it with the tea. No, I feel like you don't. Like, oh. <laughs> I feel like you shouldn't have to. And whoever invents that yeah. is going to be very well-deservingly a billionaire. R- room temperature tea. Temperature <laughs> drinks that people can drink and not hurt themselves. Yeah. All right. All right. So uh, those listening at home, oh, there was a third voice. Who was that? That was Mark. That was our special guest, Mark. For the kids at home that might not be familiar, who are you? What are you up to? Uh, my name is Mark. I'm now a friend of the show, which is top line resume item. And yes. I am a comedian and I'm currently performing in Las Vegas this week. And I've known both of you for a very long time. And it's nice to finally be on a show. Just the three of us. You know, yeah. we got rid of the rest of the riffraff. Yes. Uh, it's just the, the three people that, that are really most beloved in this community, <laughs> I may say so. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's also good to be on a show together where it's not like what do you what's this obscure movie do you remember being quizzed on yourself and failing me me specifically failing at being quizzed on pop media <laughs> mark sent me a quiz last night okay i did true so um mark ellis and i text 
all of the time, which I absolutely love because um, it is he always sends me things about Chris Cornell or about Bruce Springsteen mm. or about friends, things that I really care about because he's the most thoughtful person on the planet. But last night you were watching Friends because Jean-Claude Van Damme? You were watching Friends because it was on? I got back. Friends is one of those comfort food shows when you're on the road. So if I don't feel like solving a murder with Dateline when I get back <laughs> to my hotel room, then I usually put on Nick at Night, which usually has Friends on. And so I just watch a run of Friends. And I happen to get back to my room just as that it, it originally aired after the Super Bowl. And it had all these guest stars. It was when Friends was like blowing up the biggest yeah. show on TV, and Julia Roberts was going to be a guest star, and Jean-Claude Van Damme was going to be a guest star. And I turn it on, and it's a scene where Julia Roberts is reconnecting with Chandler because they knew each other back at school, and she says her name, and I was like, I bet Roxy knows that. And okay. I texted it to Roxy. It was it was later, so you're forgiven if you're no, a little tired. it had yeah. nothing to do with the time. DJ, yeah. you, brought, you mentioned a wee bit of trivia, when somebody quizzes me on something, I remember one time Mark Ellis asked me, what's your favorite Aerosmith song? Um, and, and as if my dad didn't bring that band back to life and I hadn't been right. raised with Aerosmith, yeah. um, I looked at him and said, uh, 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 I couldn't, nothing. Like if you yeah. asked me a direct question that I deemed to be trivia, so he asked me Julia Roberts' name and I could have lied yeah. I could have written back, it is Susie Moss. Yeah. I could have done that and Googled it and not told him I Googled it, but I yeah. did. And then I told Fantastic. him, I said, I, I, I had to look it up the second I saw it sitting in my dad's house by myself in my room out loud late night. I said, oh man, Susie Moss. Yeah. <laughs> Just so upset with myself. Yeah. And I suck at trivia um, much better at not trivia things so he jam with you well i still have uh flashbacks because i think sam and i were like the quickest knockout or whatever in schmo history or something like that <laughs> we we had a really we had one day that was a real bad uh run for us not great at trivia how do we get off of it oh you also mark you said something that uh kind of hurt my heart a little bit um you uh the sentence you just said was that friends was on nick at night yeah and that was something that was something the process that was that Why was uh, <laughs> yeah it's it's very it's i mean when 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 i first came about nick at night it would yeah. be like, like i love lucy <laughs> yeah it yeah. would be like the super old shows and yeah. you know like the way back I'm trying to think of what else might have been on like the dick van dyke show maybe yep. tyler moore might have been on there and now they've upgraded they know that us adults now are binging stuff from the 90s so it's friends and I think after Friends is, I want to say it's Mike and Molly, if you stay up that late. Oh, wow. So Jeez. it's, you know, I, I, I don't think it's time for us to go to the home just yet, but they're <laughs> easing us into yeah. our our final years on this oh. earth. <laughs> well, yeah, especially since uh, life expectancies are going down now. So, you know what I mean? Like, hey. We got... Where did you hear that? I think it, I I feel like I might be pulling it from the ether, but it's uh, our generation's life expectancy is lower than the previous one, I believe. If not that, then the one after us. Things aren't looking so hot. Uh, but hey, you know what? That's I have to admit. I I pulled. I, that's what I heard. So don't take it. Look it up, kids at home, and see if that's true. And if it's not, uh, tweet me. That'd be great to know. <laughs> um, 
They might just be factoring in the apocalypse. That might just I, be what I, tr- I honestly, I think that is like, yeah, listen, uh, climate disasters, everybody, just hey. <laughs> and it's on average. You know what I mean? It's like it's like when you when they talk about like the Middle Ages or whatever, and they're like life the average life expectancy expectancy was thirty, and yeah. it's like you get a lot of people that would make it to like fifteen sixty, but a lot of kids would not make it. like a lot. And so when you average them, it's like thirty, but whatever. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Thank you for being on the show. You're in Vegas. I don't know if we covered it. You're in Vegas doing stand up. That's what we're talking about. We're going to be talking about comedy, stand up comedy in particular. But before we do any of that. Uh, if you want to listen to the watch the show live, if you want to listen to it ad free, if you want to check out Patreon exclusive shows like Spiderversity or Roxy and I do Q and A's every week, you can do that over at Patreon.com/slash Only Stupid Answers. If you give us a five star review on iTunes, we will give you a hearty thank you. If you write something, we'll include it on the show um, and on Spotify. Every week we ask a question. Last week's question was: Do you watch reality TV? If so, what is your favorite show? And Yeshu Wazalewski replied. I watch 90 Day Fiance with my girlfriend because there's some amazing comedy in it, but 90% of the time, the people are awful. Mark, do you watch reality TV at all? I I try my best to avoid it. I do technically watch reality TV, and I'm addicted to one show, and you can probably guess what that show is because it's about training camp Why in not? the NFL, and that would be correct. Roxy got a <laughs> trivia question Yay! correct. It is hard knocks and really anything that is like sports related. That's like getting ready for a season kind of thing. No. So I'll watch it. Like prime university is coming back on it uh, soon. And like, I'm excited for that. So anything that's around athletics, yes, I'll watch it. If I ever did get sucked into a reality show that was not sports themed, I might've got like the real world. One of the, one of the early, Early yeah. real worlds back when MTV still had videos. That might have been mm-hmm. something that I got uh, kind of obsessed with. But since then, never been a reality show guy. Much yeah. to probably both of y'all chagrin. I know Roxy's chagrin, but maybe yeah. both. Not DJ chagrin. No. DJ's no chagrin. No, none, none chagrin. So let's jump over into a little bit of news. We got an update from uh, something Rox and I were discussing last week. Um, uh, Everybody successfully shamed uh, Drew Barrymore and Bill Maher, and I think other people who we did not refer to in the previous episode, um, into not coming back with their shows because it was a a bad idea. It was always a bad idea. (laughs) It was always going to be a bad idea. Um, Roxy, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, you guys uh, know, everybody at home knows that Drew Barrymore is like my favorite celebrity of all time. I absolutely love her. I have loved her since I was a wee one and I love her show. Um, I was on air when it was announced that she was coming back and I read her statement. I was like, awesome. Everybody's cleared it. It's all good. (laughs) And everybody in the comments were like, this is not awesome. Um, And I was so bummed because it just felt very unnecessary. Uh, I think that a lot of people are speculating why she's doing this. Is it to save her public image or is it the goodness of her heart? And to be perfectly honest, I really don't give a shit. Once somebody does the right thing, thank you for doing the right thing. Let's move forward. Like I'm not here to sit there and be like, but she should have done it sooner. And on our timeline, whatever she decided she she put out that video, then she got more heat from her colleagues and friends. Either she, it was the goodness of her heart or it was public backlash. Who knows? We'll never know exactly what's in her soul. 
seems like a pretty good girl to me. And then she decided to do the right thing. So I was like, great. And then looked at her wall and everybody seemed to agree. Thank you, Drew. Appreciate it. Like, let's move on. Nobody needs, she's not this, you know, she's not Zaslav. She's not Iger. We don't need to drag her. She, okay, it's done. Um, did she, I don't, did she successfully film any episodes? Yeah, she did. Um, she filmed some and she has said that those won't be released until after the strike. So, okay. uh, I think that she had three shooting dates maybe. Okay. I don't know who came on as guests though. I'm not exactly sure what that was mm-hmm. like. Um, but yeah, I think she did film a few successfully. I well, successfully. That, as to completion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we we made it to. It feels like we're talking about something else now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we successfully yeah. made it to completion. Congratulations, mm-hmm. everybody! It'll be interesting to see if we revisit this when those episodes drop and be like, "Who were we mad at? That stopped that guested on the show and what zany antics did they get up to?" I have um, a, I have a feeling those shows don't ever see the light of day. <laughs> I uh, truthfully, I think that would probably be best. Like, uh oh, those just fell into the trash. <laughs> Yeah, you just, you don't know, and, and I, I can believe, and I've actually gotten to hang out, like, interact with Drew Barrymore a couple times, and mm-hmm. uh, she's great. I'm obviously in SAG, too, so the the thing with me is, like, I do believe that even though they're celebrities and they're famous, and we've known them our whole lives, they can have, you know, a good heart, and so you can be just wanting to do this for your crew and, and you know, people who are in different unions that aren't on strike, and they have deadlines and they have bills to pay it her bill maher whoever you like you don't like but at the end of the day it's a strike and it sucks that's what strikes are supposed to do and that's why we continue to strike so i echo bob odenkirk's sentiments where it's like yeah it's a strike it's not supposed to be you know fun it's not supposed to be easy for us there's there's a reason why we're on strike so let's let's get the reason solved and then we all get to go back to work yeah 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 Yeah, and and now she has perfect uh blackmail material for whoever was on her show uh, just in her back pocket and just in case she ever needs it for anything you never know she's been at this business a long time that would be brutal that would be brutal i think that a lot of people expected drew to end up doing the right thing because she just does have a really good reputation in the business Mm -hmm. i think people were shocked by bill maher's decision uh like the amazing people online people write the funniest shit um what do we need writers for when we have people with twitter (laughs) Uh, but he was like decided you know what actually it seems like they're coming to an end soon the negotiations are going to work out so like maybe i'll just wait (laughs) kind of iconic i i think that 50 percent of the time i agree with what bill Barr says 50 percent of the time i'm like what are you saying mostly that comes from grammy throwing socks at the television when he speaks but she still watches the show every single time yeah Uh, but this was like again everybody online who was like even bill maher's doing it i'm not even gonna go with the even just thanks to anybody who's making the right choices during this time that's cool it's helpful yeah however you make them why ever you make them just cool that you made it so uh, that segues us into something that will probably i mean almost is it will have to be old news by the time this episode drops because we record this on friday um, and as of this Friday, September 22nd, 2023, uh, the WGA and the AMPTPP um, are yeah. in their third days of renegotiating. How, yeah. how we how we feeling? <laughs> um, how we number feeling one, gay? I love the fact that DJ every single time. It's like, you know, when you're meeting your girlfriend's ex-boyfriend and you're mm-hmm. like, 
Brian was it? And he's like, no, no Bill. No. That is you with AMPTP. Like, it's too many letters. You'll not call them by their name. It's um, too many letters. It's hard to keep track of, and I always fuck it up. I love it. I love it. every time you're like the AMPPTTP. It's too many, and two of the letters are the same. You know, WGA SAC easy. Too many letters. Yahtzee. Their problem. You know, you need to have it be whatever. As long as long as you get the A and the M out cleanly, everything else ends in an E sound. So yeah. So you know, whatever. We all know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, maybe like sneeze in the middle of it next time. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I really think it's like this amazing mental block that you're like, I'm not learning your name. You no, don't, I don't matter care. to me. You will not matter to me in a few <laughs> years. Uh, so that. But yeah, you're right. The news is moving quickly. And therefore, by the time that some people are listening to this, there might be further updates. But they met on uh, WGA and AMPTP met on Wednesday, on Thursday. And they were, are slated to meet again today, which means they're probably meeting right now. And they put out a joint statement on Wednesday when they were meeting, which is not unusual for studios to do with unions, but is unusual during this time period where there has been a media blackout. And essentially what the statement said was just, we are talking. Um, And that's relevant because they hadn't been talking. We know there was that one brief um, date that they had in August. Apparently the date didn't go so well. And Mm -hmm. then they left the table. So now they're back at the table, these three meetings in a row. It feels like we are working our way towards a deal that hopefully will be extremely successful and um, will be exactly what they've been fighting for and deserve. But I'm still nervous and hesitant to be like, victory. A lot of people Mm -hmm. online are like, they met three days. That means for sure this is going the right direction. Then SAG will follow and everybody's going to be off of strike in the next couple of days. And I'm like, also we're leading into November and December where there's no industry work anyway. So yeah. does it doesn't feel very strategic on their part that probably things won't pick up until February, no matter what, just stressful times, but at least they are talking again. Yeah. Those are my vomit thoughts. Well, and the other thing is um, that, you know, they can come to an agreement, but the union still needs to vote on it. So the next couple of days, is ambitious no matter how the timeline goes. But I did want to ask you all, because we don't know how, you know, hopefully by the end of the the, the day of this recording, it'll be, we'll have a clearer picture of what's going on. Um, But that'll be just WGA. Do we think that it'll be like, because there seems to be uh, not an insignificant amount of overlap between the concerns of the WGA and SAC. Do we think That'll be like, WGA figured it out, and now it's SAC. Or do we think the studios will be like, remember all that bullshit that didn't work with the WGA? What if we tried it again with SAG? <laughs> what if we let's say, what if we start back at square one with SAG? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think they would. Uh, you know, I, I never put nefarious um, thoughts past anybody who's higher up in Hollywood, but you you look at the, the amount of money that they've lost yeah. from, from these strikes, and that's that's the goal when you're trying to, you know, make somebody realize that hey, you need to pay a fair living wage. We need, we need more than if it's writers, if it's, if it's actors, but you also have the holiday season coming up. So whereas the town itself shuts down and there isn't a lot of work to be had in December, there is a crap ton of holiday movies that big time movies that you want mm-hmm. your actors and even writers to be able to promote. So it definitely behooves them to get something done quickly. So Cautiously optimistic, 
Um, I and I think that the unions cause have strengthened each other. I think the mm-hmm. WGA and SAG have had each other's back for the most part. And I think that's why one of the reasons why you see such I mean, the WGA is as strong a union as, as it as it gets. So to have them kind of pave the way and and show how to do a strike, you know, effectively, I think has been a huge help for SAG. And hopefully both of those, once you get one settled, the other one can happen pretty quickly like dominoes falling. Yeah, it's a really solid point, Mark, because they are today, I believe, is day 143 for the WGA. And mm-hmm. they just, for lack of better words, have their shit together. I mean, yeah. they just are really, really solid. Granted that SAG is 160,000 members, so it yeah. is, people have very, like vastly different needs and wants. And, and um, you know, SAG's doing the best they can, but the WGA going first really is like they have done so much of the work it's like the big brother who kind of breaks in the parents and then for the next kid they're just kind of like eh so i think to answer your question dj i don't believe that then they're going to try with sag the exact same thing because it's not a good negotiating tactic right like sag already knows what they are willing to and what they're not willing to do so i just don't think it will work like that and another really solid point by mark um, as you guys know, I'm working on a, a Hanukkah script right now, which I haven't been quiet about. I've been doing a lot of research on the holiday space. And last year alone, there were 172 Christmas movies that came out on oh, yeah, Especially 172. That is so many movies that they really need um, the people behind because mm-hmm. a lot of these Christmas movies blend together, right? And if you're not seeing your favorite actors or these stars post everything on social, they'll all get lost in the shuffle and everybody wants to um, make their Christmas bonus. And by everybody, I mean those studio execs. So I think that that's really, um, even though there isn't work and even though the actors and the writers are still gonna severely struggle through the end of this year, if not further, it does behoove the studios to bring them back for that time period so that they are contractually obligated and also so that they want to promote their stuff yeah yeah hallmark's got uh, uh, 160 days of christmas or something to promote like who knows that we got yeah 172 we, christmas movies yeah when you factor in the hallmark and you, you factor in um netflix has their own little like you know trying Kurt to russell find, with santa claus yeah, exactly you get it zero zero Hanukkah movies a different problem for a different time a different problem for a different day uh and the other thing is i think one of this one of the things that was mentioned last time when they briefly roxy mentioned that when they briefly came to the table as part of wj's i believe part of wj's negotiation was that they will still even if they come to a deal they will still be on strike until sag comes to a deal Mm -hmm. um uh so hopefully that means things will uh be be expedited hopefully that means because because right now I, I believe one of the things that's holding people up is um the empty whatever they keep um uh pointing at the deal they did with the directors where it's like but what about the wga deal you know what i mean and so uh the the reverse of that will hopefully be helpful where the sag can point to the wga deal and be like that's you know uh, yeah, I definitely think that's more accurate. I mean, we all know that also I'm glad that the directors feel that they got a fair deal, but also a lot of directors are producers, which obviously mm-hmm. means that they're making money in a couple of different ways. And they just didn't have the exact same contractual needs that WGA and SAG do. And even there is a difference between what the WGA and SAG are asking for. But at the end of the day, everybody needs a living wage. 
Yeah. That is what is being asked for, a way to make a living wage. And all these other things are just varying degrees of that, right? Like having AI in there and no minimums and who can be in rooms means that you will not make a living wage. So, yeah. um, you know, yeah, and I also don't know that can live, but they I don't know that live in other ways. Yeah, I also don't know that directors themselves feel like they got a good... I, I don't know that I'd want to be the DGA president next election time. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so hopefully hopefully good signs, hopefully things happen relatively quickly. Although, you know, bureaucracy, it'll probably take a little bit longer. Even if it goes well, it'll probably take a little bit longer than we want. So before we leave news, uh, Roxy texted me. I always reach out to Roxy for what we're going to talk about with news. And she texted me that Jason Tatum got a got a new tattoo. Okay, this is so that tattoo. <laughs> I got you here, DJ. Um, so it's very infrequent that we talk about any sports related thing on the show because even though I'm a sports girly, DJ is not a sports boy. Yeah. So I knew Mark Ellis was coming on, and I was like, "Oh, this has been trending all week about really? Jason Tatum's tattoo. I gotta ask Mark about this." So Jason Tatum, DJ, so you know, mm-hmm. uh, he's number one. This is a, a South boy. In, in basketball. Basketball. Cool. I got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay. Um, Jason Tatum. Uh, he's just the best. He's simply the best. And he uh, has many tattoos, but this is the new one. He's a, a movie fan as well. And he got this tattoo that says life with yeah. scenes from his favorite movies and characters from his favorite movies in them. But the L and the I are connected and the F and the E are connected, but the I and the F aren't connected. So for anybody listening in audio, it really looks like it says Ufe. And then <laughs> it's also like it, you have to turn your head to see it. So if it doesn't say Ufe, it looks like it says like C and then some kind yeah. of symbol. Uh, and, and then some of the images in there are very intense. Um, and then also there's like Incredibles. So yeah, so we've got Dash. We've got Dash from Incredibles. We've got Will Smith's, I, I believe that's his allergy face from yep. Um, Hitch. Yep. Do we know what the L is? Yes, that is. That's Denzel, Denzel Washington yeah. from the John Q poster. <laughs> from the jo- So it's not even like when you said Denzel Washington, I'm like, ah, from Training Day. Oh, no, the John Q poster. All right. Um, and then what's the F? So the F is what I is what I noticed right away as yeah. uh, Sidney Dean, Wesley Snipes' character from White Men Can't Jump, which I, I saw like this tattoo is confusing. I like the tattoo now that I, I see the, the landscape of it, because yeah. the first thing that, that I noticed was Sidney Dean, because I've seen yeah. White Men Can't Jump so much. And then the next thing I notice is you look up and you see uh Denzel Washington, you're like, wait, but that's not from He Got Game, so this yeah. isn't like a basketball related tattoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you do because that that the way that they spell out life is the way that that movie starring Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence had its logo. Uh, okay. And and it's a pretty well known movie, and and they're, they're, it's got its huge fans. So you know, I'm one of them because I love Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence. But so I did recognize the font. Okay. It, it, it was, it's just a little funny to have a life font tattoo, but mm-hmm. have no pictures of the movie life. Yep. Like, the whole thing, it's just, I love when things take the internet by storm. And I was just seeing so many people post about it. It's not my least favorite tattoo ever. I think it's intricate and well done, obviously. The artist clearly, like, we could see what all those things were. He did a good job. The lines seem really nice. But just looking at this, I was like, Wow. All right, Ufe. That's mm-hmm. I can't help it. That's what I'm gonna say. 
would say for life, you know. Um, I think at some point, though, if you have that many tattoos, you do get a little experimental and a little like, what mm -hmm. if I did this but did this? Like, your first couple tattoos are just, you know, your college mascot or barbed wire or mom or so, like just something easy. You know, yeah. it's something that you know how to do. And so it's, it's what's recognized as a tattoo. And then you start getting a little, oh, let me let me become like a car. Let me put some bumper stickers on here that show people who I am. And then it just gets to the point where it's like, yeah, that movie logo, that picture from a different movie, throw it on my cat. <laughs> throw it all yeah. together. That's so accurate. I was actually, yesterday, I went to P-Town. For those of you guys who don't know, it's like one of my favorite places in the world. Um, it's the gay capital of Massachusetts. And it's like mm. so fun, dragging the street, all of this stuff and i went with my dad and his girlfriend and i noticed she, she has a lot of tattoos and she got new ink and i effing love her and it was very cool is this um betty boop um tattoo but she's holding a scratch ticket and then there's like intricate numbers and stuff in there so i was like oh what's up with this tattoo and she was like well i was gonna get betty boop but then it was like not enough to just get betty boop so i had her doing a scratch ticket and it was like, totally. cool. great yeah why yeah. not <laughs> Uh, in the chat for the people watching live, Leonard Kim says football is oof, eh? And then yeah. uh, Mike Joyce says, I wonder why he chose G uh, Dash and probably because Dash go fast. But also hmm. I looked up Jason Tatum's age and he's 25. So that means uh, he, he grew up with Dash like I grew up with Ninja Turtles. You know what I mean? It's the same. Friends is on Nick at Night now. We're all getting older is what's happening. Yeah. I cannot believe DJ. I feel like if you got into basketball, you'd be so into basketball. Like, I, you know, I don't. Yeah, I'm just not. I have nothing against sport. It's just nothing that uh, and ever. And also, I do have um, uh, beef with basketball in that the second anybody sees my height, they're like, "Did you play basketball? No, man, no." Yeah. <laughs> look yeah, at my build. Does it look like I'm playing basketball? <laughs> Every time yeah. I hang out with DJ, I, I just go home and I'm just like, oh, if, if I had that height, I could have yeah. gone. Because everybody who's my size thinks that they could have gone Division One. We think we could have gotten a scholarship if yeah. if we had your. We couldn't. Yeah. But that's so we're so we're we're asking you to so if <laughs> if we can please live out our dreams vicariously through yeah. you. And well, then when you say you don't care about our dreams at all, that it, it just makes everybody feel sour. It hurts a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. No, but it's funny too, because a lot of pro basketball players are bigger, not not insignificantly taller than I am. Like it, it's, it's one of the few mm -hmm. like groups of people you run into like, that's rare for me when I run into somebody that's taller than I am. <laughs> it's, oh, it's isn't not... that so hard for you when you run into pro basketball players and they're so tall? I'm just not used to it. The, the one that really stuck out with me is I remember we were at, um, it wasn't the premiere, but it was some sort of premiere event for Last Jedi. And this kid got up behind me. It's like my fight or flight kicks in. Like, I got to fight this person. I got to prove who's the, yeah. the physically bigger. I don't know. And they came up behind me. I'm like, oh, my God, this person's so fucking tall. And it wasn't until later that I found out it was the new kid that's playing Chewbacca. Uh, oh, yeah. It was like, yeah. So it was, it was, but it's, it's, it just doesn't happen very often. And so yeah, it's weird when it does. That's kind of like how this week I had a pillow and I was putting it away quickly. So I threw it into a top shelf. Mm -hmm. And then I couldn't get the pillow. Yeah, <laughs> the and then was... I pulled out a step stool, and I still couldn't get the pillow. So then I got my step ladder from upstairs and couldn't get the pillow, and then put the step stool on top of the step ladder mm -hmm. and got the pillow. So we are the same. Yeah. Well, uh, counterpoint, Roxy. I hear, yeah. I hear you. I, I hear your challenges, and I see them, and I and I appreciate them. I do. I uh, bet that you hit your head on things significantly less than I do. 
this is not the same. Because, <laughs> because I'll tell you this, our society is not constructed for people my size. <laughs> but you can duck. I, I mean, I yeah, but I, but you know, I feel like our flying experiences are different. <laughs> Maybe Mark right. has it best. I, I'm I'm five ten and a half, and yeah. I love every half inch of that. And <laughs> I feel like we can do some GoFundmes here. We can do some Amazon wish listing to get you all back to par. Like maybe yeah. we can kick in when y'all take the show on the road. We'll make sure DJ gets a first class flight. Oof, so love it. More comfortable. Love and for it. Roxy, we can make sure that we get her a grabber so mm -hmm. that on those 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 nights where you just can't sleep you need that extra pillow yeah you can just get you a little grab or you can just grab oh. that pillow yes that is fair dj yeah. can sit first class and mm -hmm. i get a grabber, <laughs> grabber. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, uh, but the to, the thing to make me more comfortable costs significantly more see there's challenges so mark you are currently in the middle of doing stand up you're in vegas for that that is what you're doing <laughs> that's that's presumably what i'm doing yes. for at least one hour a night yeah, yeah, yeah what yeah. is your schedule when you're there are you are you on every night uh yeah we have one show a night 8 p.m at brad garrett's comedy club brad is uh he played uh, robert from everybody loves raymond mm -hmm. and he's been in a bunch of stuff he um he's great and he's actually in town this week so he hosts the show when he's in town and he just goes up and just straight murders just ruthless crowd work for 30 45 minutes an hour sometimes and then you go up after him and it's just it's it, it's a great it's a great setup and then you're done for the night and you just kind of hang until you know you watch friends at nick at night or you mm -hmm. do a little gambling and then you wake up when you wake up what i usually like to do in vegas is i like to treat myself to like a fun lunch somewhere so like i'll go to like a restaurant i wanted to go to or just like walk around the strip and find a cool place and then i do the nap and then i go to the gym then i do some writing and boom time for the show and then rinse repeat all over again so this is such a uh, strange first question for me to ask you, but I think about this all the time because anytime I meet a comedian, I my first question is, do you know my friend Mark? Because <laughs> the answer is always yes. And it's a really nice in because everybody effing loves you. So immediately I'm in like people's good graces, but you know, everybody, like you have been at this for a while you have gone around the country so many times. What happens? Like just, does he text, does Brad text you and is like, or like whoever it is, wherever you're going. And they're like, yo, do you want to come be on my show, man, it, for a week? Or like, I don't know how any of that part works. There's a, if, if you look at like, let's say I did 25 dates on the road this, this year, every one of those dates would have been acquired some other way, you know? <laughs> like, oh, like, okay. It, it, sometimes it is just like you have a, a report directly with the booker or the yeah. club and you set it up. Sometimes they reach out to you like, hey, we have this week open. Um, there's certain clubs that I do sort of annually almost the same weekend. Um, Brad's is one of them because I usually love being here in September when it's early football season. Uh, I go to New York every October. Um, I go to San Diego every Comic-Con. So sometimes the clubs will reach out, be like, are we doing the thing this year? That kind of thing. But yeah. it's different for every comedian too. Um, and so, you know, if you have that top flight representation that very few comics ever get to have, then you're just kind of set up and just tell me where to be and when to be. And um, throughout my career, I've had to take more of a 
hands-on approach to mm -hmm. everything, to the, you know, booking the shows and flying. And so now I'm in a place where I have some really nice people looking out for me, but I also look out for myself. So it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's every, every, you know, club has its own little lock and key that you got to figure out how to get in. So, oh, so fun in the entertainment industry. Every, every door you want to get into has a different lock with a different yep. key and a different maze to get to that key. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you, you learn some tricks along the way. And, and at the end of the day, it's about, are you, are you good on stage and can you sell some tickets? So, mm -hmm. you know, it's going to come down to those two questions. And I've always been pretty confident in my ability to do the former and the latter. I have some great fans that take care of that. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's put up or shut up like it is in any other industry. And so yeah. I'm lucky to have been at this, you know, professionally almost 20 years now. God, we are getting old. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, still still find uh, some success and some audiences that that approve of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really hard for you to give advice to people because one of the reasons so during this strike period dj and i have been really like shooting from the hip about okay what do we want to do with this time where we're not really talking about movies and television we're not really doing re the whole review thing that much right now so what we're doing is talking about all different areas of the entertainment industry that we haven't spent much time with and kind of learning from people how they got in their space and, and what they advise or what the triumphs and tribulations are, whatever it is. But because there is no linear path, even with you, however long you've been at it, does that make it very challenging for you to like help the future generations figure out what way to go? I mean, we know I'm all about supporting the kids, right? So <laughs> um, it, it really doesn't, it's only because everybody's gonna find what they're good at on stage in terms of standup and what they struggle with, you know, there, there's things that you can do right away. Then there's things that you really need to put the work and effort into. And it, it's just about getting up and doing it at the end of the day. So that's a great place to start because so many people, you know, young comics have questions and then you find out, well, wait, you haven't done an open mic yet. Then it, you have to do that. You there, there's that's just, step one. Open it, mic is like first thing you must do. I, I think the first thing you, you you should do is is really sit down with yourself and say, these are things that are important to me to talk about, or this yeah. is a joke that I think is funny. It's always good to have some sort of game plan, but you can you can spend way too long on that first game plan because I promise you, no matter how funny you think you are, after you do a handful of open mics, you're never gonna use that game plan again. You're gonna yeah. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're yeah. gonna cringe when you think about your first material. And so just get something together as quick as you can and get on stage and start feeling how because then you learn what you're good at, what you need to work on. Some people are are really good writers right out of the, the gate. Other people like me are not good writers, but you just have this thing where you, you don't really get stage fright. Like that was the, the only leg up that I, that I realized that I had early is that I don't get nervous in front of people. So whatever I have, I can, I can perform it pretty well, regardless of what the environment is. Now I didn't have much back then, but that's what you realize you need to work on. So you need to work mm -hmm. on your material and, and getting your jokes up to par. So um, there's some technical things, but you know, like take the mic out, move the stand that kind of thing when yeah. you're on stage but at, at the end of the day it's just about getting up there and, and doing the work you know you can listen to other people tell you how to do something or you can just go try it yourself and blaze your own trail yeah yeah, yeah. so we had some questions from the discord um uh that i think we're already kind of touching on this is from jake hefner he's a he has a couple but we'll start with this one 
uh, that I think connects to what you were just talking about. How do you actually get good at stand-up or at least know you're not bad at it? Most other forms of performance like acting and singing, I imagine, you know, pretty quick if you're good or not. But since comedy is subjective, how do you know when you've really hit your stride? Well, I've been doing it, like I said, 20 years, and I think I'm good at it. I, mm-hmm. There's, <laughs> there's some nice I mean, moments. listen, people are paying to see you, man. That's a pretty good litmus test, I feel like. <laughs> there's sometimes you wake up and you're like, I'm just not funny. And and yeah. I just, and maybe I had it once and I lost it. So yeah. it's, it, comedy is a lot like golf in that sense where you can get good at golf because you play it a lot. But sometimes you just like, I've, it's like, I've never picked up a club before. And mm-hmm. the, the course is so different every day and your swing feels off and you don't know how to get it back on track. So you have all those little things, but to get good at stand up. Uh, unfortunately it's like getting good at anything else it's the hours it's the reps Mm -hmm. it's the stage time it's doing it night after night after night after night and just um you know learning learning who you are as a person and learning what your voice is and learning how you like to deliver jokes the kind of jokes you like telling kind of audience you like attracting and you only get to do that through and some people have a very fast track you know Mm -hmm. i I wasn't one of them but some people they just kind of get it early like they, they they get up there they figure out who they are and boom, they're off and running. Other people, it took them literally as long as I've been doing it or longer. And then all of a sudden the light bulb goes on and yeah. they, they figure out, oh, this is this is who I am. And their career just the, the trajectory takes off. So it's there's no one right way to do it. The only wrong way to do it is to not do it. Yeah. I, do you, the you gonna say kind of related it to like you'll know quickly in these other fields which i don't know is necessarily true i think a lot of people think they're talented and they're not or or vice versa they don't think that they're talented and they are but one of the pieces of advice that oftentimes you'll get as a host or an actor early on is to kind of find your niche right like um you know if you're going out for a lot of goth roles full-blown tat yourself get the plugs have the black hair or like if you are a host and you love sports, only talk about sports, only focus on sports. Is it the same in the stand-up world where you you kind of need to like have an angle um, as opposed to keep it broad? Is it something you suggest doing early on or that people suggest? I wouldn't force it. You know, I, I think that everybody be, thinks about doing stand-up or any form of comedy improv sketch because they they like to make people laugh. They, mm-hmm. they might have a point of view. They might have something driving them. They might have some sort of uh, thing in their past that, that makes them want to bring joy to people. And it's it, the only way to do it is the only way to find out what that is, is to do it. And so, you know, I was like a kid that played a different sport every season. I was mm-hmm. never really good enough to focus on one sport, but I also liked playing a bunch of different sports. So if you are getting into whether it's hosting or stand up, whatever it is, I'd encourage you to try everything and see what you like, because some people really do thrive in an improv sort of setting where there's like a team or a sketch setting where you get to write it together, you get to perform it together. And there's that community. We're in a band feel yeah. that wasn't for me. And I realized that early on that I just like being on stage by myself and you know as far as like trying to trying to be an angle nobody's going to come out of the gate immediately having this this sharpened you know refined sort of funnel that you can put news through and just spit out a great joke that just that takes time like i I, there's so many political religious questions that i've asked myself how i feel about these issues because i'm a comic and because i want to talk about them on stage so in a weird way doing stand-up has made me more worldly because 
I, I want to talk about this thing that the president said, or I want to talk about that issue going on with the church or with society. And you start to realize who you are as an adult and what you believe because you want to put that into joke form. So in a weird way, stand up actually made me more of an adult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. In that kind of same vein, I know for me, you know, with writing and directing and stuff like that, I'll look at, you know, when I'm watching a movie, I'll see a scene or something like, oh, man, that really worked. I really like that. And so you'll stop and you'll be like, what about that worked? Like, what was it about that I, what I just watched that I thought was effective or that, that resonated with me? How could I replicate that in my own work? Is it similar when you watch other stand-ups, you're like, oh, fuck, that joke fucking killed. Like, not that there's like a math to it, but like the, 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 um, uh, do you, when you watch other, not even just other comics, but like comedies, like movies and stuff like that, do you kind of like try and look at what other people are doing and, and see how that can change the way you do stuff? Yeah, I, I like the way you put that because there is no, you know, hard and fast arithmetic when it yeah. comes to, to comedy. You can't just, you can't put it into an equation and it spits out a great joke. There are certain things like, like sort of tools and tricks that you learn when you're writing and crafting a joke, but the fact that there is no hard and set science behind it is sort of what keeps the magic in there. So yeah. if you had it refined down to a powder, then you just kind of lose everything. So, uh, but I can, you know, you watch somebody and they, they have a story, they have a premise. Like for instance, Chris Rock uh, was talking about the, the OJ thing in his first special, bring the pain, which is I think the most perfect comedy special I've ever seen. Yeah. And he was talking about how he was developing that OJ bit and he'd be at clubs where every other comic had a bit about OJ, but he kept it in the special because he knew that his take on OJ was going to be unique and mm -hmm. it wasn't going to be the same as everything else. And so that's what I really admire is when somebody has a joke that everybody's talking about. It could be something that is in the news. It, it could be this this political event. It could be the strike. It could be anything that we're all talking about. And if somebody has a brilliant angle on it, that's when you just like mm, nice mm -hmm. tip of the cap to you. Yeah. you know? and, mm -hmm. and sometimes you're thinking of jokes and and nothing comes to you. And it's just been a really dry week and you're writing all the time. So you're doing a stream of consciousness and you just can't can't find your footing. Then other days you're just kind of driving around and just like something boom, just like a bolt of lightning. So th there's no one way to do it. It's just try to be and try to be an open channel to the world and uh, and the inspiration that really is everywhere if you, if you look for it. That makes a lot of sense to me because there'll be a lot of days where I'm just sitting like looking at a page and like trying to trying to crack um, yeah. something I'm working on and then I'll be like right end of the day I'll be chilling I'll be uh, maybe I took a little bit of a gummy and I'll be going right to bed and I'll be like oh that's what it is that's what I'm trying to accomplish and then I'll spend the next hour like leaving myself notes for the next day of like oh this is I see it now yeah <laughs> when I wasn't trying suddenly I see it yeah if you if you you look at my phone right here these are all some of these are shows yeah um some of these are sets and this is probably just like this month and then other ones are just like you know, I, I, I can't hit plan any of them because I really don't know what I said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some of these are like a minute and a half long. And, yeah. and I do sound like I had a little bit of medication. And mm -hmm. I just thought of something funny and I didn't want to lose it because that's the classic thing that happens to yep. all of us humans is you get a thought in your head and you're like, oh, I'm definitely going to remember. This is too good to forget. Nothing is too good to forget. You're yeah. going to forget it. Write it down. Speak it out loud into the universe. I cannot tell you. I would love to do a special of all the bits that I forgot because yeah. I know it would be my best one to date. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Always take, take notes. Take, even what's weird for me is like, I'll, I won't even necessarily have to reference the notes, the mere act 
of writing it down then you'll helps me it. yeah it helps me remember it but like fucking but i sometimes i do reference the notes so right if you think something you're like oh that's gold write it the fuck down especially for me uh titles names names and titles are, are a key part of like the creative process yeah i have a whole i have a whole note of not just mo- well, comics uh, oh. uh, uh, uh whatever just yeah. ti- just names and titles i have a whole note just full of those so it's like so i have them whenever because like what was that good i got it i got it just written have it on record i mean <laughs> no. take the lesson from from hendrix and john lennon and tupac like they still have new stuff coming out yeah yeah yeah, yeah. They, they they record they had it they had something running something recording it so that it would preserve the, I don't know if they want that stuff coming out, but yeah. it's still material. Yeah. So we're, we're talking a little bit about where you get your inspiration, where people get your inspiration. Obviously there's a big news story this week and um, I don't need you to get into specifics. So I know you're friends with a lot of these people. And also it's like weird when these are your colleagues, but there was a big Hasa Minaj story this week who mm-hmm. I've watched all of his stuff. I love Patriot Act. Um, and it came out that some of the stories that are more heartfelt stories that he pulled inspiration from um, a lot of those things didn't actually happen to him. And in his comedy, he kind of like thinks of things that he thinks would be poignant to say. Um, I know that Whoopi had his back strong out loud was like, you you don't have to tell stories that happen to you. That's what stand up is kind of. What is your take in general on like, if you're on stage where you are allowed to and where you're not allowed to pull things from or what you are allowed to or not allowed to say, if that even makes sense. I know the word allowed is kind of strange. Yeah, you know, for, for me, it, it always, it doesn't necessarily have to have happened the, it, the exact way that you're saying it did, but it needs to come from a, an honesty, a place of honesty in terms of the feeling or the emotion you put behind it, you know? So like, I'm sure that my dad actually did want to pull the car over occasionally and spank us on the side of the highway, you know? And that was the threat. Now, whether it was actually ever going to happen or not, I have no idea. When I talk about that in stand-up, it it felt like a real thing that us eight-year-old kids in the back of the seat believe could happen. So therefore it is a real, now it's a real thing that, that you have to think about. Yeah. And so and, you know, then there's the classic, oh, well, this happened a couple of weeks ago. It probably happened last year if it ever happened. So it's everybody has sort of their own line of demarcation where it's like, well, I'm, I'm not for instance, I'm not going to tell a story about a relative that doesn't exist or I'm not going to tell a story about my sister or my brother that would put them in a bad light unnecessarily. If, if it actually happened, then there's been moments where I've had conversations with family members to get clearance to talk about a story that actually mm-hmm. happened. Um, oh, really? Like you called them up and were like, I want to tell this on stage. How do you feel about that? Or are you like, I'm telling this on stage. I'm just giving you a heads up. I'd, I, I'd like to get their blessing if possible. The, the famous time that I did... Uh, there, there's a famous story that I closed uh, Dog Stepfather, uh, my 2019 special with, and it was about my mom walking in on the kitchen with me and my girlfriend in a compromising position. Mm-hmm. And it was just a story that like it happened just the way I described it. We never really talked about it as a family. And so here we are like 15, you know, 16 years later, I was working clubs in New York and my mom was coming to the show tomorrow the, the next night and i was on stage and i was like i think i'm going to tell this story tonight and see how it goes and it crushed so at the end i told the audience i was like you know my mom's coming to the show tomorrow should i and there's just this overlong you gotta do it you gotta oh tell my story. god so she did not know i was going to tell it she was there with my aunt who knew the story yeah. and afterwards we all went out for uh for a drink and i my mom was like it, we, we just had the best laugh about it and it was just this cathartic 
you know, we finally got to talk about it. And so I got permission from all parties uh, yeah. still with us to, uh, to put the special, to put that in the special. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, a few more questions from the discord boiler huff. Where has been your favorite place to do a comedy show? Um, my favorite place is the comedy store in Hollywood. Um, that's where I got my start. I used to be an employee there. I think they've now hired Roxy to work the door because she's there so much. She knows all the she knows all the ins and outs. Roxy's the I my love number seeing one. Mark. I go she's all my, the time. My number one fan. She's great. Um, it's anywhere that Roxy's in the crowd is my favorite club. But yeah. uh, uh, I, I like New York Comedy Club a lot. I like um, there's there's a couple that you just find on the road. Like Acme in in Minneapolis is just an amazing um, house for comedy. There's some great spots that are opening up in, in the Pacific Northwest now, up in Seattle, that have a lot of promise. Um, there's a few places in Texas that I really like. So it's really, it's it's all over the map. But um, if you can find a, a comedy club, it's it's going to be a good time. Awesome. Uh, Is there Leonard one you really want to do that you haven't done? I know that you and I have had many conversations about how yeah. um, grateful you are and how satisfied you are with where you are. But... Is there like a dream place that you feel like would be perfect? Yeah, anytime Ro Roxy asked me how my career is going, I just feel like I'm just I'm cruising it. I'm cruising. Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not up here at thirty thousand feet. I'm I'm cruising at twenty thousand mm -hmm. feet, just having a nice a nice little sail. Um, a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of places overseas that that I am hoping to be able to get to in the next few years. Like I, I've told Roxy, kind of like the pipe dream for me is to do the Cavern Club in Liverpool. It's not the exact Cavern Club where the Beatles played like that. That got torn down and now it's like next door, but it still feels like the hallowed ground. So it'd be so fun to do a stand up gig where the Beatles cut their teeth early on. That's that that's kind of the dream, uh, the dream venue for me. Right it's the now. most you answer ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is another one from the ones that Jake Hafter asks. Um, how do you deal with stage fright? I've always had a small desire to try performing live, but the thought of getting in front of a crowd intimidates me a lot. You know, the, the thought can be intimidating even to people like me who claim to not have stage fright, because once once I get up there, then it's I feel I, I feel very at home. But a bit, I mean, a lot of that is just me kind of looking back and and realizing that I had this this little, you know, proclivity to be in front of people. And then I've developed it for 20 years. So it, yeah. the only way to figure out if you actually have stage fright or what that feeling is like is to be on stage. So I can promise you. Most of it is all in your head before you go up. That's the hardest time to handle nerves. I call it juice as a comedian, where it's is it nervousness? Is it anxiety? Is it excitement? Is it adrenaline? What it's just it's a it's a nice little cocktail of everything. And the only way to figure out if that's real or not is to take the plunge. So yeah. I think you'd probably agree with me after you try it is the most nervous you were was not when you were up there it's right before you go up as soon as your name is called then you know i mean even for me like, like thinking about doing the shows it's actually going to the venue it's on the way to the venue and you're thinking is is there going to be a crowd are they going to be good they're going to be too drunk are they going to yeah. be too stiff what's it going to be like as soon as i walk into the comedy club and i just feel it i'm like oh right i can do this like yeah, oh yeah. okay now now i'm at ease again so you you find where you get the most anxiety from and you just learn how to ride that storm out yeah yeah i, I yeah i feel i feel similarly i've never um really struggled with um stage fright um but 
Y'all are pretty um, good at being in front of people. I've seen both of you in front of people. <laughs> well, it's, um, it. <laughs> I don't know that I could do. I don't know that I could do what you do. I don't know that I could. I I feel I would feel comfortable uh, getting up on stage with the obligation that my goal is the the audience expects me to make them laugh. You have to make a noise come out of them. <laughs> yeah, that's a different. You know what I mean. That's a different level of expectation that I don't know um that i feel confident enough in um but uh, but i but i think you're right in that it's like uh i think unfortunately uh you just got to do it you just got to do it and you got to and, and truthfully you got to fail a few times like you got to be bad in front of people times. Like and you then you're like a thousand times yeah and then and then you're like oh, i failed before i can fail fail i've survived many a failure <laughs> Yeah, you'd be surprised how strong that fight or flight when it kicks in. It's yeah. like I'm, I'm not, I'm not running off the stage, so I better come up with something funny to say quick. And yeah, it tends to work out okay. Um, Leonard Kim asks, how much of your stand-up routine is pre-written jokes as opposed to improv, or vice versa, and how does that compare to other stand-ups? Uh, everybody's process is different. So when you see like the finished product, when you see like an hour special, I dare say 90 95 percent of that is is you know well thought out well structured you have this set list that you're doing um in all of my specials i like to bake in a little bit of crowd work a little bit of just something just in case something funny happens so that's like that five ten percent yeah. roxy actually helped me out with one in my last special and uh that i think made the final cut um and then the other thing i like to do is i don't like to prepare an opening thing when i'm taping I like yeah. it. I like it to be about that day or that week. So that's the last thing that I focus on. So I make sure I have the rest of the set. I know how to get to my my first bit, and before that, it's just kind of fun preamble. But when you're just seeing a comic at a nightclub, who knows? Could be fifty yeah. fifty. I like to work the crowd a fair amount when I'm on the road. Um, yeah. So like tonight, for example, it might be fifty fifty crowd work material. When you watch somebody like Brad Garrett it's virtually all crowd work. It's it, yeah. it's incredible. So that's the part that's like the craziest to me, because I feel like as somebody who is a writer and an actress, if you were like, okay, you're doing a tight five, I could spend years and put together what I think is a funny five minute memorize, get on stage, one woman show five minute speech. Mm -hmm. uh, but if anybody said a word in the audience, I'd be like, you shut the fuck up. I'm not, I'm in the middle. <laughs> I'm not done yet. Stop um, laughing. I'm not done yet. <laughs> like the fact that you're just banking on yourselves to come up with something funny based off of asking somebody where they live or what they do for a living is baffling when people are doing crowd work. Like I, I feel like there's no, how do you, this is a crazy question. How do you do that? Like what, how do you, a, have the confidence to know that you'll be able to make what they say funny. And mm -hmm. B, how do you prep for that? You, you can't be what you're thinking about in your car. Like, how do you get that skill? All right. So it's kind of like working at a shoe store, right? Like, you have a bunch of shoes in the back. And mm -hmm. you know that you have all these different models and all these different sizes. But at the end of the day, it's all shoes, right? Yeah. And you know that the customer, they could come in there. They could have any type of foot in the world. But they're all there because they want shoes. Mm -hmm. So if you ask somebody where they're from and they say they're from Indiana, I know I have a shoe in the back 
that is going to be something related to Indiana. So it can be a joke about the time I was in Indiana, maybe about experience. A friend of mine was in Indiana. Did you hear about this guy from Indiana? And so it's like all these little connectors that if you ask somebody something about them, you can connect it back to something in your own life or a joke that you have or an experience that you went through that you can now relate to that. So it's almost like you're you're and you are doing it off the cuff, but there's a lot of storage in the back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of shoes that are going to fit this person. So I've never used that shoe store analogy before, but I kind of like it. I, it's I, a good that's one. Good. It's a good one. Money there for a minute. Good, Mark. Keep well, and that I, also, one. I also think I also think it's interesting, and and I feel like it's kind of a unique um, position for comedians like yourself who travel a lot for their job. That like you had like I don't know. Have I been in Indiana? I don't think so. You know what I mean? So I was like, I have nothing to pull from. Indiana. I have no experience with Indiana. I have no opinions on Indiana. But because you travel so much, you've been there. You've interacted with with people there. Even if it's not Indiana, you just use that as a reference. You know what I mean? Like you could pull from a different experience. Yeah, and I and I and I do love traveling. It's one of the things about this job that I really just embraced. And and I grew up in Air Force, Brad. We moved around a lot when I was a kid. Yeah. And maybe I was predisposed to it. Like our big night out was Denny's when we finally got to a new town but yeah. that's still kind of the big night out for me and like I, I love the plants i love the hotels um and you know you have like somebody like a, a friend of mine uh tom rhodes is a guy who a uh, comedian that i've looked up to forever he's traveled all over the world i mean he lived in amsterdam he hosted a hugely successful talk show there and he's performed like literally every country that you can look at on a map he's performed there so it's great to watch him when he's doing a club and anybody from any part of the world is there if somebody's from australia somebody's from china somebody's yeah. from russia he's been to all these places and he has these you know little funny things he's picked up from each one that he can relate to a crowd that's not from there that's never been there it's it's fun it's a it's a leg up when when you're on stage you know so last question from the discord um and this kind of goes against stuff that we said at the beginning how difficult it would be to give advice but too bad it's the question in the discord mike joyce what advice do you give to newcomers? Is there any advice you were given that you were starting out that stuck with you? That's a what was there any advice given to me? I, I remember hearing early on um, from from Dane Cook, and I think this is a good piece of advice for young comics is don't listen to anybody else. Is you know the the voice inside you it should be the loudest voice you hear. Yeah. Um, the two pieces of advice that I always give to new comics. One is practical on stage and one is just where I'm coming from. So when you do get on stage, if you are going to take the mic out of the stand, take it out and immediately move the stands to the corner so that the stand isn't blocking you because it's just yeah. it's a weird setup. So know that. Um, and then before you go on stage, a lot of people think, oh, well, I'm funnier when I'm out drinking with my friends. So I should probably have a, a beer to get in that mood. Don't don't drink before the show. Mm -hmm. Feel everything. Go up there stone cold sober. And then after the set, if you want to do some celebrating, you can be like Uncle Mark. But wait until wait until you're done, because you you want to be doing this night after night and multiple sets a night. So don't put too many parameters on how to do it properly. You know, make yeah. that warm up routine as as easy as possible. Like pretty much mine is taking a nap at this point. That's that's yeah, yeah. all I really need before the show. Don't fall into a trap where I need to do this or I need to do that or I need to do something else before I go on stage. Just just go up and then have your fun afterwards. When you said that's if great. you're taking the mic out of the stand, is that what you recommend? And also like some comics I see really going back and forth in, in, on the stage and some people sit and some people just stand in one spot. Is there a recommended thing? I I always like taking it out of the stand initially, and then I'll put it back in at certain points. 
Um, I, I do like sitting down on a stool uh, for some part of my set if I'm doing a longer set, but um, whatever feels comfortable to you, watch your pacing. And, you know, it's, it's like when you start hosting and you think you have good posture and then you see yourself on camera and you're just mm-hmm. like, yeah, look at yeah. me right now. Yeah. So, and record yourself. If you can video record, that's the hardest part of stand up is listening back to it. I have to listen to all these goddamn notes that are in my phone, see if there's anything funny about it. Or if I had any jokes that I liked the way I told him at the show last night, if you can video record it, great. Watch the game film. It's not going to be fun. It's going to, you didn't do as well as you thought you did, but yeah. you're going to learn something. That's how you get better. It's the, it's like any other discipline. It's the, the time you put in the study you put, you know? Well, now I feel bad because I don't listen to a single one of these episodes before I actually record them. <laughs> hey, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> you know, with those who can't do Every, teeth, so. Everyone's different, right? Like I listen to all of them and I read all the comments and I want to know everything. Some people get in their head when they watch back or whatever. So, and also DJ, you've been doing this a long time. You're, I think, I think you're okay. But I think that's really good advice, Mark, because sometimes at first when I was at least hosting and I'd watch things back, I'd be like, no what is that yeah. weird thing i'm doing with my eye mm-hmm. yeah. Shit yeah like that you're like what is that it's bizarre well, and i should clarify i do post on all this stuff so yeah. i just don't listen to you know what i mean so i have to spend a significant amount of time with all this stuff after i just don't listen to i just don't like were there any errors let me no nope. all right you good play basketball it. instead dj i should have man i missed my calling i missed my calling um uh we could have gone d1 I should, yeah pros I'm, no longer the goal it's just d1 it's just, I, you know, I, I i know my limits trust me yeah i would have i would have died out on that for the rest of my life i probably i don't know if i ever would have gotten into stand if i played college basketball so yeah i'd just be living off that name image likeness you know however i could yeah man yeah just you know i just never an athletic kid growing up um this is the best shape i've ever been in um though so that's what we we have for you man thank you for for joining us thank you for talking about stand-up and uh letting us pick your brain yeah i mean you know i i, I hate to make stand-up sound as boring as i was for the last hour but no. I, I love being on with y'all and it's such a fun you know community that we all get to be a part of and we're we're kind of doing this right now with like one hand tied behind our back because of the strikes and hopefully those get settled and we get a fair deal and we can celebrate all the stuff that i love celebrating with folks like dj and roxy and until then your backup plan is i i guess you just gotta come out and see some stand-up because that's a fun fun form of entertainment that is not currently on strike so in the early 80s one time read about it i'm coming every single night next week come on out i'm back in town uh, yeah, when, and the thing that's, you, you talk, one, you weren't burning at all, but also, like, I think that's something that people, you know, when, you know, we get enter, um, enraptured by entertainment, uh, but it, but for the people, it is work, you know, to do, hopefully, if you do it well, it looks effortless, but it, mm-hmm. is, it isn't. <laughs> it's a job. It's, yeah. it, it's a full-time job, for sure, but it really is the best, most rewarding job that I, I ever could have hoped to have. So, mm-hmm. I'm, it is a gig, it's, it's work, but it, I'm having a great time doing it. So for the people that want to check out the, your stuff, for the people that want to follow you, where can they find you? 
Uh, you can go to uh, Mark Ellis Live is all my social media and Mark Ellis dot live is my website where just seems like just about every week I'm adding new tickets to um, to a city that I'm coming to either later this year or early next year. Um, set up some stuff, including in Roxy's hometown, Boston next year. Finally excited to uh, to get back there. So, so um, cool. I feel you like never know. Roxy will come back east for the show. You, you just never know. You, you can never, never know. keep her away from a car. I'm going to do a type five. And if anybody <laughs> speaks during it, you sit the fuck down. You sit down. I'm in the middle of my tight five. Well, then, um, your, your fans watch your stuff, so they're going to know to not get on your bad side. Like, yeah. that's, you know. Yeah, but even if they laugh, I'm going to be like, silent. <laughs> not <laughs> yet. I have, I have in my notes when you're allowed to laugh, uh, <laughs> wait for them. That wasn't uh, the funny part. You, you hold it. <laughs> you fold it in um but oh there will be links in the description to all that so please go check that out roxy what should people people be looking out for from you uh they can find me everywhere at roxy stryer which is where i talk about all the things that i'm a part of that i'm allowed to talk about right now yes. and then i'll tell you more when i can tell you more <laughs> there you go you can find me at dj talks trash everywhere that matters you can follow only stupid answers at only stupid answers but on twitter slash x you ain't got the vowels from stupid. And thank you all for joining us, especially those people that joined us live at patreon.com slash stupid answers. And we will see you next time.